Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. All right, so check this out. When I was a kid, I lived in a haunted house. I'll preface this by saying I'm generally a very rational person and am a skeptic by nature. I didn't grow up in a family that was religious or into the supernatural, and if I hadn't experienced these things myself, there's no doubt in my mind that I wouldn't believe in it today. Our house was built in 1912. On the outside, it seemed like a totally normal house. The moment I stepped inside that house, I felt uneasy and I just couldn't explain why. My sister and I shared a room upstairs. I was sitting on my bed in my room one day, facing the doorway. It was one of those accordion doors that would click closed and there was a space of about two feet at the bottom where it didn't reach the floor. It was only my mom and I home at the time and she was downstairs. I heard the floor creak outside my door in the hallway as if someone was walking into my room. Then I saw a white mist type figure pass by my door. At first, I thought it was my mom bringing laundry upstairs and I waited for her feet to appear under the door, but they never did. I went and peeked under my door to see who was in the hallway, but there was nobody there. There was no wind and no way it could have been a curtain blowing. I definitely saw something pass by my door. Another day, I was in my room alone again. My family was downstairs in the kitchen at the time. There was a wardrobe by the door that had a lamp on top of it. I was just sitting on my bed again and all of a sudden, the lamp started to violently rock back and forth. It scared the crap out of me, so I immediately ran downstairs and my family could see that I was scared, and they asked me what was wrong. I told them what happened, and they all looked at each other. I discovered later that they tried to protect me from knowing any of the paranormal experiences that have been happening there. Another day, my sister and I were in the living room. It was summer, and we had one of those window air conditioners in the kitchen window. My dad had just finished building a detached garage outside and had turned the breaker off so that he could finish wiring the electrical to the garage. There was no electricity at all in the house, and we were just sitting there, and all of a sudden, we hear the air conditioner turn on. My sister and I looked at each other and ran outside. My parents asked us what was wrong, and we told them how the air conditioner turned on all by itself. My dad said, that's impossible. There's no electricity going to the house. And we had no explanation for how it turned on. Another day, I was in my room and we had one of those big fans that actually sat on the floor. My sister would always yell at me for leaving it on when I wasn't in the room. 
and on this day, it was really hot, so I purposely left the fan on. I went downstairs to have a shower, only my mom and sister were home at the time, and I came back up to my room, and the fan was switched off. I immediately felt uneasy because I knew that I had left it on. So I asked my mom and my sister if they had gone upstairs while I was in the shower, but they hadn't. There was no explanation for how it turned off. This was back in the days where we would record songs off the radio on cassette tapes. One day, I guess I forgot to press stop while recording and I had left the room. When I listened back, it sounded like a man and a woman were arguing on the tape, but I couldn't quite make out what they were saying. There was no one in the room at the time either. When I would go to sleep at night and the lights were out, I would see what I now know were probably orbs, but at the time, I had no idea what they were. It was like static electricity in the air. I don't know how to explain it. The closest thing I've ever seen to it are sparklers. It used to scare the crap out of me, and I would run to my mom's room to tell her, and she would say, oh, it's just your eyes playing tricks on you. Don't pay any attention to it. I would go back to bed and hide my head under the covers. And there was a spirit that would stand in the corner of my room and just watch us constantly. After we moved out, I told my mom one day that our new house felt so much happier than our old one. She asked me what I meant, and I told her how our old house had such a heavy atmosphere and felt totally different, and I always felt like I was just being watched. I asked her if it was haunted, and she finally admitted that it had been, and that they had tried to protect me from it because I was the youngest. I described two of the ghosts to her, the female that was always in the corner of my room, and the male spirit that stayed in my brother's room. I described the time period they were from and how they were dressed. I described how the woman was in a long, dark dress, and the man sat on the floor in my brother's room and just looked out the window. No idea how I knew these things, and turned out I was pretty close, except for the woman wore a black veil that hit her face, and the man actually had no legs, which is why I thought he was sitting all the time. While we lived there, I had a recurring dream where I saw a little girl in a white nightgown cowering in the hallway outside my bedroom and crying because the house was on fire. I was constantly paranoid about fires while living in that house and would constantly check the electrical outlets throughout the house to be sure that everything was okay. After we moved, I worked at our local library and there were tons of resources about the history of the town. Turns out, before our old house was built at that location, there was a hotel that used to stand there in the late 1800s that had been burned to the ground, killing several people. My dad was the only one who didn't have experiences while we lived there. My mom had the most experiences, and I think at first, he started to think that she was losing her mind. It wasn't until my siblings and I started to tell him about our experiences, and specifically me with the lamp incident in my room, that he started to think something was actually wrong with the house. 
My brother worked late nights and would get home around midnight. He would walk through the dark house to get to his room and would often hear someone calling his name. He thought it was our mom and would go in her room to see what she wanted, only to find her asleep. Eventually, he would rarely sleep there. He would sleep at his friend's or his girlfriend's houses instead. My sister and I shared a room. We had the female ghost dressed in a black veil who would stand and watch us in the corner of our room. One night, my sister woke up to find someone sitting beside her on her bed holding her hand. She thought it was me and asked what I was doing, but got no answer. She looked over at my bed and I was there, sound asleep. As she looked back and the figure was then gone. To this day, she sleeps with her head under the covers and her arms tucked under her. My mom had multiple experiences and I'm not even aware of all of them and honestly, I don't want to be. I know she said that there were at least five spirits in the house plus others that would pass through. In our basement, we had an old, cold room and this is apparently where the spirit portal was located in our house. I'm not sure why it was there or how it got there, but I think previous residents had dabbled in things that maybe they shouldn't have. As I said previously, there was a hotel that had burned down at that location, killing several people. I think that previous residents could sense the presence of these spirits and dabbled with Ouija boards or seances to contact the spirits and ended up inviting in dark entities instead. It's just a theory, but I believe people who lived there before us made the situation worse. My mom is very sensitive to spirits and had experiences with all of them, I think. The woman in black was a protective spirit and would communicate with my mom quite a bit. I believed that spirit protected me from the other spirits as well. My mom was walking down to the basement one day and she lost her footing and started to fall. She suddenly felt hands on her chest and pushed her back to an upright position. She never saw anyone, and she just felt them catch her as she fell. Another day, she was vacuuming in my brother's room when the phone rang. She ran downstairs to answer it, and while she was downstairs, she heard the vacuum start up and being pushed across the floor. She ran back upstairs, but by the time she got there, it had stopped and she was the only one home at the time. We had so many issues with phantom calls in that house, and this is before cell phones, so we only had a landline. The phone would ring constantly, and no one would be on the line. Or we would just hear static, or as though there was a muffled voice on the line, but we couldn't make out what they were trying to say. I don't know how many times we had the phone company come check it out, only to find nothing was wrong. Then, it escalated. My dad would get up to leave for work in the middle of the night, and just after he would leave, we would get a call where a person would say, Hey, I saw Dwight leave for work. This freaked my mom right out, so the police became involved to try and trace where these calls were coming from. We had to keep track of the time the calls came in, what was said, if anything, and etc. They never were able to trace the calls. 
We moved shortly after and had the same phone number. The calls stopped as soon as we moved out and we never had issues again. Before we moved, my mom was really worried that they would follow us. The woman in black was very religious and my mom had an old Bible beside her bed. One morning, she woke up to find the Bible open beside her on the nightstand and these words were highlighted. I said, and this house will be my home forever. Thankfully, they didn't follow us. Now, I'm very sensitive to spirits and I've had other experiences throughout my life, but that'll be for another day. I hated that house and I was so happy to move. I'm grateful for the experience though because now I know our spirits do continue on after death, just in a different way. On Instacart, I can shop a huge selection of pet supplies from that one brush that scratches him just right to that extra comfy bed he can't wait to flop down in. And I get everything delivered right to my door in as fast as one hour. Okay, 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 settle down. I know it's here. Yeah, it's very exciting. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get a free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. I used to rent a room in Hartford. My landlady and her kid also shared the house and for a time another woman, but she bounced a check and she was evicted. I lived in her master bedroom. It was a small house with glass doorknobs and wooden floors. It was quite nice and maybe it was built in the 30s. You had to walk up a small hill to get into the house. This house was near Trinity College in a so-so area. It was actually a really cool neighborhood, especially around Halloween, and the neighbors went all out for the holidays with decorations. Her husband had passed, and the house, from the beginning, felt stressful. I had some strange experiences. The first one was finding the words blood and the F-word spray-painted behind the stairs in her laundry area. I didn't know who did it or why, and really I was too scared to ask. I was raised a superstitious Catholic, so seeing that really freaked me out. The next weird experience happened when my landlady was at her boyfriend's house who lived in another town. She would go there some weekends and leave the house to me, while her kid would stay at a friend's house. One night, I was in her living room. She had a pellet stove and it made the house very cozy in the wintertime. I was sitting by it when I had this overwhelming feeling that someone was in the room, standing next to me. I left and went upstairs, feeling quite freaked. Then things got weirder. The room I was in felt increasingly colder at night for no reason. And then it happened. One night, I woke up around 4.30 in the morning and looked at the coffee table at the end of the room. That's when I saw it. It was a dark face with curly hair surrounding it, kind of hovering there and staring at me. 
It had no features, but I knew somehow that it was a man's face. I screamed and turned on the light. Later, the landlady's boyfriend told me, kind of out of the blue, that my landlady's dead husband had beat her and the neighbors called him evil. And my landlady, who was very proud of her son, showed me a photo of her son as a little boy, and his father was in it. He had curly hair. I think I somehow manifested this person's dark spirit, or else sensed an emotional imprint, because what I felt in that room that night was definitely something evil. When I was about seven or eight years old, I remember going to sleep over at a kid's house. Um, I'll call him Richard, though this was a long time ago and I may be forgetting what his real name is. Their parents were friends with my parents, so we weren't very close friends, but I was still very happy about it. He had what may have been the coolest thing for a kid in the 80s to ever see. He had a Pac-Man arcade cabinet in his basement. Now, to help understand this story, you need to understand the layout of the house. This was a raised ranch. You walked in the front door, looking at a small set of stairs that led down to a finished basement area, and a similar set of stairs right next to it going up to the main floor. You could see the kitchen from the landing up the stairs as you entered the house, and to the right was the living room. The left side of the main floor was a hallway that led to three bedrooms and the bathroom. One of the bedrooms was Richard's, where I would be sleeping with another one of his friends. I'll call him Michael, and again, I don't remember if that was his real name or not. But the basement was what I focused on, because as you went down to the basement family room, there was a hallway that has a small room to the left where the arcade cabinet was. It was a small room covered with brown wood paneling, like all basements in the 80s had. The front door of the coin receptacle was left open, so you didn't need any quarters to play. You would just flick the little metal pin to mimic a quarter and start playing. This is where I wanted to go, but it was time for bed. Now, going into Richard's room, it was covered in WWE, or at the time it was WWF, posters and toys. I wasn't into them as the two of them were, I mean, I liked Nintendo uh, and stuff like that, but we still played with them like kids do, and we ended up staying up very late, much too late, because the parents just let us do whatever, which was also common in the 80s, and that was great. This was also my first real sleepover where we had run of the house. Considering we were three boys not being watched, we weren't doing anything dangerous. We were play wrestling watching TV in his room, and just going to the kitchen for junk food. However, we weren't playing Pac-Man. Yet, I thought. At some point, I'm sitting in Richard's room by myself, and the two of them left for some reason, and I felt a little uncomfortable for whatever silly reason. They were gone a long time. Self-conscious over the fact that I wasn't close friends with either of them, I asked myself, what were they doing without me? Let me go check. I leave the room, walking towards the basement, thinking that must be it. Even if they weren't there, I could still get to play, so win-win. I walk down the stairs to the basement where it was dark, but bright enough to see, 
It may have been a full moon, or there were outside lights, because I didn't need to turn on any lights to really see. I saw the room, and I saw the hallway where the arcade awaits, but then Richard walked out and stood in front of me. He didn't say anything, and he was in his underwear. This was very uncomfortable because he looked mad, like he didn't want me to go down there. I stood on the bottom step, not moving for a while, none of us saying anything. Finally, I figured, okay, you don't want me down here, and then I went back upstairs just to go to bed. I looked up the second stairs towards the kitchen, and this is where the chill crawled up my spine. Richard and Michael were in the kitchen, getting something to eat, and they were there the whole time. Now, Richard was an only child, and there was no one else in the house other than his mother and father, which were asleep across the hall. There was no other way from the basement to the kitchen other than maybe from outside. They couldn't have walked past me without me knowing, and there wasn't enough time to put clothes back on and get back into the kitchen if they were just pranking me. They also didn't say anything about what I saw because, well, I said nothing, thinking if they were pranking me, they would have mentioned it. Well, I went into the kitchen and I ate some food and went right to bed. Again, if this was a joke, a seven to eight year old boy would have said something. Didn't say a word to anyone about the kid in the basement. To this day, I have no explanation for this. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. When picking a commerce platform, you have two choices. Oh, you piece of Or... Yeah! That's the sound of selling on Shopify, the commerce platform that supercharges your selling online and in person. Why battle inferior platforms' weak tools? You... And limited integrations. Would have helped to know this. Join the millions of businesses growing on Shopify and ignite your selling. Less... More... Start your free trial today at shopify.com slash profits23. Shopify.com slash profits23. It's spooky season, which always gets me talking with buddies about the creepy things we've been through. I almost never touch on this story, though, because it's not one of those classic scary stories everyone likes to share around a few beers. I used to work night shifts at this large manufacturing facility, Night Shift was a very small crew. There was only about five of us. As admin staff, I sat with security as they'd switch between patrolling and monitoring the cameras. It was usually pretty silent and boring. Now, I'm not sure how the building got its haunted story. No one besides us ever wanted to work nights because of the rumors, and none of us ever had any experiences. No one died there. No crazy accidents ever happened. It wasn't destroyed and rebuilt. It was really peaceful and uneventful. But stories always spread, as they tend to do with big, dark, creepy spaces like this. And it was creepy. It's surrounded with woods, circled with fencing. Mostly empty at night, which made it feel incredibly imposing and empty. And creepy, motion-activated lights inside and out. Sounds carried and echoed, but still none of us ever had any experiences there. 
until this. It was around Halloween, maybe a week or two before, and I was halfway into my shift, making it my lunch hour. It was chilly, and I went to my car to grab my bigger jacket and have a little smoke break. I was right outside the back door, which the fencing runs closest to. It's maybe 10 yards off the back door. The only light is motion activated, and I had to keep making big arm movements just to keep it on. It's all grass and shadows up to the fence, and the light doesn't really hit far beyond that. I was watching videos on my phone, and the light cut out. I sat in the dark a bit, just sipping my coffee and finishing my cigarette. As I was finishing, I reached up and waved about to activate the light and to find the ashtray. But as the light flickered on, I heard a noise at the fence across from me. We do get some animals out there, and they could get startled. It was all explained in my head pretty instantly. But as I stood up, I heard the fence continue to slightly jingle. When I looked up, I didn't see much. The light didn't really illuminate much outside its circle on the ground. And I don't know why, but my first thought was to say, Hello? When I did, the sound stopped for a moment. I squinted into the darkness, trying to adjust, and then the light went out. There in the darkness, the moon had a little more effect lighting up the area. The fence started lightly jingling again, very lightly. As my eyes adjusted a little better, I started to see movement. It looked like a person opposite me at the fence, fidgeting with the links. I thought, okay, this must be a kid trying to spook me. Maybe they were going to break in and ghost hunt. Some high school kids have before without knowing the building never closed and that we were actually pretty cool with them poking around as long as they didn't touch anything and made it fast so that they could run and tell their friends that they lived through it. But that wasn't very common. And this was one person, all by himself. It felt off. I radioed in with my walkie to desk security. We have a visitor out by the north door behind the fence. I've seen the monitors on camera feed and I know this area is totally covered. They'd be able to see the fence clearly. My walkie beeped back and the voice said, we aren't reading any movement at the fence. Is it in the tree line? I said negative. They're fiddling with the fence right in front of me. This all happened in the span of seconds. My cigarette butt was still in my hands and I just barely swallowed my last sip of coffee. They didn't even have the chance to reply to me when, from the fence, I heard this massively louder thrash of the lynx, and all I saw was the figure full-on sprinting at me. I made a terribly embarrassing choking noise and crushed my coffee cup against the doorknob trying to rush myself in. The fence is so close, it's not going to take more than a few bounds to reach me. I pushed myself in so hard and I held the knob in place, trying to jiggle the deadbolt into place. The knob was flicking down hard against my hold and I could hear and feel something moving against the opposite side of the door. I radioed back, get down here now, but I already heard steps coming my way. The knob stopped moving by the time they got there and it was all over with. 
Back at the office, the security staff tried to play it off like I was just having a laugh about it. Like this was a great Halloween joke that I was playing. I didn't understand why they weren't taking it seriously until I saw the playback. It was just me outside and there was nothing else there. My brain couldn't really explain what I experienced outside while confronting the video. I immediately thought this was a big goof on me. Maybe they fiddled with the footage and had someone scare me. But they thought that genuinely I was the one goofing them. We were doing the whole back and forth, okay, whose idea was this? Who's messing with who thing? Until the second time watching the playthrough. We noticed the way the door handle kept moving even when I removed my hand from it. Both the inside camera and the outside camera caught it. I noticed right before I panicked and turned to run inside, the fence made a slight jolt as if it was being pushed. There were no holes in the fence or any kind of cuts made where someone could squeeze through. There was no creepy shadows or unexplained wisps of smoke or lights or movements beside mine. Just me in the night, jumping out of my skin and running inside. I kept trying to think back to when I jumped, when that figure burst at me full speed if the light activated for their movement or for mine. I couldn't decide. I couldn't remember exactly because it was so fast. But nobody there wanted to admit anything happened to me. It was tricks of the moonlight, an overactive imagination, and too much coffee. Branches against the chain links, you know? I mean, no one's ever experienced anything weird here, and it wouldn't just start up for no reason. I didn't make a fuss, and I didn't want to argue about it. They already thought I was being weird, and maybe I was. I went about finishing my shift, but no one used the back door again that night, and it remained locked. The longest employed security was finishing up the shift at the desk with me in the office. It was right before dawn, and the morning shift was trickling in the parking lot. He watched the cameras in silence while I typed away. A few minutes before clocking out, he cleared his throat and he told me, I never really liked the North End. It feels like someone's eyes are always on me. It's honestly the most he's ever said to me in the year plus that I worked there. That's the most I've ever heard him say. I felt like that statement held even more weight because of that. I didn't quit though. I stayed on another seven months until the company was bought out and they stopped overnight shift to pile more work on the day shifts for less money with less employees. There was never another incident. I never actually went out there again though. I stopped smoking, I took my breaks in the lobby, or wasted time just chatting with co-workers, but I made excuses not to sit outside, to be honest. I feel like a few of us there did. I've never before or since had any moments where I felt like my imagination got the better of me, and I truly believe that wasn't the case here. I keep thinking back at the door handle jerking down when I was just steps away yelling into the walkie. That had to be proof that I wasn't imagining the whole thing. No one ever brought it up again, and whenever anyone asked about working in the old crappy factory, everyone would say, oh, we never saw anything up there. It's just a boring building at night. 
I would just smile and keep my side of the story to myself, but I wondered if anyone else was holding stories to themselves too, and that maybe they'd slip out after a few beers and fueled a few more questions about the haunted factory. If you made it this far into the episode, then well, congratulations, we're best friends now. If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe if you haven't already, and if you're listening on a podcast, leave me a review. I'll see you in the next one. Alright, so, check this out. This happened when I was about 15 in a little town called St. Helens just outside of Portland, Oregon. At the time, our family was really going through some tough obstacles. My dad had been acting very strange, talking to himself, and not acting as he normally did for a couple of days. His personality would change quite often, and now at the time, he wasn't diagnosed with schizophrenia, and we were trying to get him some help. Leading up to the night that I had seen this thing conversing with my dad... I had also experienced very strange dreams and it felt like I had been sat on by someone very heavy. I looked and no one was there. My brother had seen something that he called the garbage man on numerous occasions. He said it looked like a bag was over his head and was being sucked into his mouth and his eye sockets. It leaned over him and appeared to be very tall and he said this thing visited him several times. It was about 2 a.m. and I heard my dad talking to someone or to himself and at this point I had a routine of going and talking with him to calm him down. My bedroom had been right next to the kitchen and the bathroom because it was a very small house. I walk into the kitchen which had been lightly lit by the outside lights And the first thing I see is this very tall shadow figure in the doorway of the bathroom and my dad standing toe-to-toe with this massive thing. He's mumbling something and then he says loudly, Leave me alone. And I'm terrified, so I ran right back into my bedroom. My dad's mental state took a turn It was a struggle for my family to get him any help. Eventually, things escalated and my dad was considered a danger to himself and to others and was finally able to get the help that he deserved. They didn't find drugs in his system and eventually did diagnose him with schizophrenia. I don't know why we saw this thing or why we knew what it was. I think it was preying on my dad's weakness. Can people with this mental illness see past the curtains? Since this day, that question runs through my head a lot. When my son was two years old, he started acting as if he was interacting with something or someone that his father and I could never see like throwing toys down the hallway and then running away, just muttering words. When I asked what he was doing, he always told me that he was giving toys to the boy for him to play with, and there was never anybody there, 
and it was always icy cold down that hallway leading into the garage. I'd ask him what the boy's name was, and he would tell me, Don was his name. I asked what the boy was doing. My two-year-old said he was waiting for his mom to pick him up. That's what he always said. We put it down to some imaginary friend and nothing more. Harmless, we thought. Until he started waking up in the middle of the night, screaming, saying, Don won't let me sleep. He keeps tickling my toes. This sent chills down my spine and so my son would sleep in my bed with me every night. This continued for another six months until the real estate notified us that the owner of the house had died and his children would be selling the property and splitting the profit amongst them, meaning that, well, we had to get out of there. After we left, I came across a local news article about the owner of our old rental stating how much he'll be missed by the community. He had been raised by his mother in the house that we were renting since he was a kid. Then I noticed his name and everything came flooding back. His name was Don. My son's imaginary friend was our homeowner. He must have been waiting for his mother to come and take him to the other side. And you know what? I'll never look at imaginary friends the same way. I've been a skeptic, but always open-minded to the unexplainable. My parents believe in ghosts and have told me the stories when I was in my mid-teens about the first house that we lived in when I was a baby as well as the interactions that I would have with ghosts as a baby. Now, here's what happened at 4.30am just a few days ago. I had stayed around my boyfriend's house for the night. I've never felt uncomfortable at night, but sometimes I feel like I'm being watched, but I don't know, I never think much of it. I woke up at 4.30am randomly, feeling odd like I was being watched. I turned to roll over, and as I got onto my back, I look up, and there's this old man floating above the far corner of the bed. He had messy, medium-length hair, but balding. He had missing teeth, blue and white striped pajamas, a leather brown book, and gray socks. He almost had this faint but mostly blue or gray glow around him, and he was extremely detailed, like he was in the light, despite the room being pitch black. I let out a surprised, oh, because I jumped at the sight, and he turned to face me, recognized that I could see him, and then it looked like he just shrugged. Then, as I'm shaking my boyfriend to wake him up, he turns and disappears through the ceiling. The last thing I see is his feet going through the ceiling. I looked online, but it's definitely not sleep paralysis as I was able to move and speak and blink. Even after turning to face my boyfriend and then turning back, he was still in the same position. I didn't feel threatened or afraid, just a bit shocked as, well, anybody would be. If anyone could help me or give me advice as I'm just confused but 
very curious. I've posted this on other subreddits in hopes that someone with more experience could possibly help. This next story quickly features the topic of suicide. If this is a subject that you are sensitive of and would prefer not to hear a story with that in it, you can use the timestamps to skip to the next story. In 2013, I was a freshman in college. Now, there are always university stories with haunted dorms, haunted rooms, haunted basements, so I never thought anything of it when I heard that our dorm, Rogers Hall, was haunted. But within the first three weeks, five girls attempted to commit suicide by jumping off of the building. Thankfully, they were unsuccessful, but it for sure rocked us and made us start to believe that there may be an angry presence hanging around. One early morning, my roommate and I were asleep, and we always left the TV on and we were always in our bunk beds. Now, this is pertinent to the story, because normally my roommate couldn't get out of bed without waking me up. And when I woke up, I didn't have my glasses on, but I could see a girl standing in front of our TV. She had medium brown hair, she was wearing a gray sweatshirt and some jeans, and she looked like she was chewing on her sleeve. I thought it was my roommate and rolled over to turn on my desk lamp and to grab my glasses to ask her why she was up so early. When I flipped on the light and grabbed my glasses, she was gone, and... I thought maybe my roommate just went to the bathroom, so I got out of bed and looked up at her bed, and she was still there, sleeping. I shook her awake and asked her how she got up there so quickly, but she had no idea what I was talking about. The same day, maybe within a few hours, our friend that lived down the hall went to the communal bathroom, and she was washing her face. The door to the bathroom was very heavy and it scraped the floor when you opened it. And she said she heard someone open the bathroom door and she saw someone walk behind her. She didn't think much of it because it was our whole floor's bathroom and girls were waking up to start getting ready for classes. On one side of the bathroom there were toilets and on the other side there were showers but there were sinks and mirrors in the middle for both sides. Our friend was on the side with the showers, and she said she saw the girl walk into the shower. As she was washing her face, she never heard the shower turn on, and she called over, asking if everything was okay. She even walked over there to see if the girl needed help, but no one was there. Nothing ever happened again to either of us that year, but, you know, it still creeps me out. Alright, a lot of things went down in this house, but out of all the spooky things that have happened to me there, this one just crossed my mind after 18 years. I was 14 years old, living in Orange County with my two sisters and my mom. We had a rough upbringing, so renting an actual house was like a dream come true for us at that time, until we realized that we were living in a haunted house. I was with my mom the day that we rented, 
The garage was scary as hell, even in the daylight and with people around. It just always gave me this clustered feeling of something being there that I couldn't see. When the garage door was shut, it was pitch black. No light at all from outside could get through that garage door. During the summer, I would wake up early and I'd like to listen to CDs on my radio. So every time I came in or out, I made sure my bedroom door was shut because my mom likes to sleep in the living room on the couch right outside my bedroom. I would clean my room, the kitchen, and the bathroom before I would ask my mom if I could meet my best friend at our halfway mark. This particular morning, the funky, spooky things of the house started early. As I walked out of my bedroom, shut my door, and walked down the hall, passing two bedrooms to the restroom, I noticed something from the corner of my eye in the kitchen. It was like a silhouette of a person that vanished, which, you know, was normal for this house. My mom's bedroom was directly outside the bathroom doorway to the right, and it had its own private bathroom, which led to the garage. Well, as I was walking out of the restroom, I see a person walking into my mom's bedroom, like a woman, which I assumed was my mom since we were the only ones home. Thinking it was my mom, I was talking to her about leaving to go to my friends, and then the bedroom door shut in my face, and I just think, wow, she's rude today. So I opened the door again and asked if I could go to my friends when her bathroom door started closing. When I opened the bathroom door and said, Mom, I realized the garage door was wide open. Now, the garage door was heavy and it didn't stay open on its own, ever. And it was pitch black. In that moment, I knew it wasn't my mom, so I ran out. I shut her bedroom door behind me and I started toward my bedroom when I noticed that my bedroom door was wide open. I was standing in my room, confused, and realized that my radio was off. I tried turning it on multiple times and until I noticed it was unplugged. I went to the living room to wake my mom up and asked if she had went into my room to unplug my radio, and she said she didn't ever go into my room or touch my radio that morning because, well, she was still asleep. I don't even know why I had to ask if she went into the garage through her bedroom for clarification, but needless to say, that wasn't her either. She asked me to please not leave her there alone, but I did, and I still feel bad. Anyways, that night, I honestly didn't want to come back home. I know, whatever it was this time, it wanted me in that garage, alone. When I was around that age of eight or nine, my grandmother invited my sister and I to have a sleepover at her house. To summarize the day, it was like any other time with my grandparents. We went shopping, we played soccer in the backyard, we drew on the patio with sidewalk chalk, and overall, we had a very good time. When the day finally came to an end and I had to go to sleep, I didn't even think twice about it. I was exhausted after a long day of playing with my grandmother 
and my sister. I slept in my uncle's old room down the hall while my sister slept on the couch in the living room. All was normal until I felt somebody in the room. I've always been able to pick up on people's energies and tell if someone is in the room with me. I thought that my sister had had a nightmare and was going to talk to me about it, so I rolled over to make contact with her. But what I saw wasn't my sister. It was a very tall man who was staring at me. His arms were crossed and overall his body posture was very angry and upset. At first, I thought it was my grandfather, but I realized almost immediately afterwards that the man in my doorframe was much taller than my grandfather. I got out of bed and walked over to this figure to find out that this absolutely wasn't my grandpa. This man's face was completely different. The way this man glared at me scared me so much, I ran right through him, screaming and crying to my grandmother. Now, flash forward a few years later, when I'm around the age of 12, my grandmother went through a whole box of vintage pictures explaining who these people were, and when she got to the one photo in particular, immediately the young man in the photo caused me to have a flashback to that night. When I asked who that man in the picture was, she started crying and said that it was her dad and that he had died very young. This story starts when I was about four or five years old and just before my family moved into our new house. It was the last night in my old house. I slept on the bottom bunk while my sister slept on the top bunk. I was excited to be moving as there weren't many kids in my current neighborhood and I would also be getting a room to myself. I had this white kitten toy that I can't remember where it came from, but it would meow, it would purr, and it would also make biscuits. I think it also blinked. I was laying in bed trying to fall asleep and occasionally I would hear a noise and assumed it was my sister and I would ask if she was awake, but she never answered me. I eventually got tired and stared at the top of my bunk. Another shuffling noise happened and I felt something on my blanket near my feet. I thought it was one of our cats, specifically my cat, Sid. Now, I wish it had been a cat. It was this black, shadowy mass that looked like a hand. I accidentally squeezed my cat toy too tight and it started purring. The hand began to move up my bed, feeling around, and I froze. This was around the age that I believed in monsters under my bed, so this was never taken seriously by anyone else. The hand crept closer and closer, feeling around until it found the tail of my kitten toy. It grabbed the tail, slowly pulling it off the bed, and I heard it hit the ground and then I heard it get dragged under my bed. I stayed awake for a long time after that, trying to make sense of what happened. Eventually, though, I did fall into a nightmarish sleep and was woken up the next morning by light coming through the window. 
I got out of bed carefully and looked under, expecting to see the toy, but it wasn't there. Eventually, my dad disassembled the bunk bed to move it, and I spent the morning scouring the house, trying to find my white kitten toy. I told my mom that I couldn't find it, and I told my older brother and my older sister too, but nobody had seen it. Eventually, the house was empty, and I was walking with my mom, making sure that everything has been packed up and we weren't leaving anything behind and there was still no sign of my white kitten. We had to leave though, and I kept thinking about that toy for a few more days, but it eventually fell out of my mind at some point. Now, fast forward a few years down the road, and I'm about 12 at this point, and we had been renting our old house out to a family. When they didn't want to renew their lease, we came up to clean up after they were gone. I was given the main floor to clean, my brother was given the basement, and my parents cleaned the exterior. I started in the living room, vacuuming and dusting, and then I moved on to the bedrooms. When I got to my old room, I pushed the door open and I looked inside. There, on the carpet, where my bunk beds used to be, was the white kitten toy. Half of one of its ears was gone. It was covered in gray soot like dust and matted beyond belief. At first, I was disgusted by it, not remembering the toy at all, and I went to pick it up by the intact ear and throw it away. Then the toy started purring and moving its fake paws like it was needing something, and I froze, staring at the toy before dropping it and the trash bag, walking out of my room, just needing to get away. The cat toy continued to meow loudly to the point that my mom came inside to look. She threw the toy away while I was drinking something outside, watching my dad mow the grass. I could have marked it all off as just a coincidence. I mean, it was a pretty popular toy anyways, and I wasn't the only one that had one. But my initials were on the tag of that toy. This is one of my close and uncomfortable moments with something supernatural, and it still haunts me when I think about it. This just happened earlier this morning. I have sleep issues, so I'm always up long before daylight. I'm also the only one in the house that's up this early, besides a few of the dogs and cats. Around 4.30 this morning, I woke up and shuffled into the kitchen to make my coffee as usual. I can't drink hot coffee, so I make mine in the blender. I have this thing that every time I start the blender, I feel like someone's behind me. I always look, but no one's ever there. But still, I feel that way. My kitchen is at the back of my big old house, so when I'm standing at the blender, the laundry room with a half bath is to my left. Directly behind me is the doorway into the dining room. My bedroom door is on the right dining room wall, and in the back, there's another door into the living room, which is locked at night. So, I'm in the kitchen, and one of my dogs, Teddy, and one of my cats, Phoenix, are sitting on a chair next to me. I'm doing my thing, and I start the blender. A couple seconds later, 
Teddy growls, looking into the dining room. Phoenix is looking in the same direction, and I immediately get the feeling that someone's behind me again. I turn the blender off and I looked, expecting nothing, as usual, but I see what looked like my husband going back into the bedroom. My bedroom doesn't have a door, so there's a curtain over it, and I saw him go through the door, just a quick glimpse, really, and when he threw the curtains back, one of my other cats, Thomas, attacked it. I stopped the blender, thinking, what the frick is he doing up so early? So, first, I thought he must have gone to the bathroom. We have an upstairs bathroom, but he'd have to unlock the door and walk upstairs, which he wouldn't do. And to get to the downstairs one, he'd have to literally squeeze past me through the door, and he didn't do that either. Neither of my kids had come in, and the house was silent. And so I walked into the bedroom, pretty much right behind him, and my husband is sound asleep, and so are the other dogs. There's no one there but me. But Teddy and Phoenix saw something. I know they did. So who went into my bedroom, and where did they go? Alright, so check this out. I'm a 28-year-old male, and my fiancé, who's a 27-year-old female, like to go on ghost walks whenever we go on vacations. Most cities have them if you know where to look, and generally, they're pretty cheesy. Some person drags you around, tells you the haunted history of the city, and tries to freak you out. They tell you to take pictures and feel the energy. It's generic and really pretty funny. We like it for a laugh, and it's something fun to do. Boston, Salem, Savannah, Texas, New York. Seriously, we've been all over the U.S., and it never gets old. We recently went to Key West, and they have a huge haunted history and a lot of tours, so of course we did one. The tour started out pretty generic, some 20-something girl taking us around with old-time makeup on and showing us the hot spots. Robert, the dollhouse, the graveyard walk, and a haunted bar. My fiancé and I laughed the whole time. Last stop was the Pirate Museum, and when we stopped, we were already making jokes. We got in the museum, and I felt sick almost immediately. My stomach started to roll, but I thought nothing of it. The guide started a speech about some people dying there and strange things happening, she was halfway through her story when I felt my head start to pound and I grabbed my fiancé's arm because I thought I was going to puke in front of about 20-odd people. She looked at me weird and asked if I was okay, but I couldn't get any words out. I felt like I was choking and the air was gone from my lungs. I nodded at her though and motioned that I was okay because I didn't want to seem stupid. The guide took us to a different room and at that point, I was holding on to my girl for dear life because my knees were about to give out. The floor beneath my feet was shaking and I started to heave. I'd never felt anything like it. The only way to describe it was like having the flu. Just a queasy, sick and uneasy feeling that wouldn't stop. My ears buzzed and my eyes stung and I was pretty sure I was about to faint. Then I swear on my life, that's when I saw what could only be described 
as a black, shadowy figure standing in the corner of the room, just watching our group. No face, no eyes, no real body, just an inky, black figure. I opened my mouth to scream, and it was just... gone. Like, poof. I left the museum so fast and ran outside. I'm sure everyone thought I was out of my mind. My breath returned to my lungs and I gasped when I got outside. The sick feeling was gone, but my body felt stiff on the way home. I had wild dreams for a while after that, about things that would just haunt me. It took me a bit to get over them, even after we got home. My fiancé pokes fun at me, telling me I was faking and telling stories, but I'll never forget what I saw. I'll never forget that sick, overwhelming feeling. Key West is the scariest place that I've been in in the United States, and I'm sticking to it. So, for Christmas of 2015, my parents decided to take a road trip to Orlando and go to Disney World and Universal Studios. After two days of Disney, we were about ready to go to Universal. I was excited for this since I was a big fan of Jurassic Park back then and I was really hyped to ride the river adventure ride. My dad took me in the car to drive somewhere to get some food since there was a mistake on the pizza that we ordered. When my dad started talking, I vomited out of the gate, sounding like this. Hi. Yes, hello ma'am. I'll have a cheeseburger with... After that, I proceeded to vomit more until I went to the ER. And I continued to, and I found out I had the stomach flu. I got my own room and an IV tube into my arm and I felt like I was too tired to fall asleep. After about 30 minutes of that feeling, I saw a big dark mass materialize out of nowhere. It was in the shape of a human wearing a black jacket with black boots and black pants, but a completely black body with distinct facial features. I was making the pose from the poster of The Thing movie. I kind of just looked at it for a while, thinking my mom had come back, and after a while, I finally fell asleep. It couldn't have been my mom, because she was sleeping on the chair next to me all night. The next day, I was still sick, and I couldn't ride any of the rides, so I just hung out with my mom as my dad and my five siblings rode all the rides, even the Jurassic Park ride, without me. Now, I've learned some things about sleep paralysis to find out what that thing was, but I don't remember being able to move my body, and I remember blinking and moving my arm with the IV tube. Does anybody have any idea what this could have been? So this happened three years ago, when I was visiting my family in Arizona with my mom. We were staying at my sister and her husband's new home. It was a fairly large and up-to-date house. There were two floors. The room I was staying in was upstairs and my mom's was downstairs. Since the home was new, there wasn't a lot of furniture. My room consisted of a small mattress in the far corner and had two doors on each side of the opposite corner. One led into an empty walk-in closet and the other was the exit into the hallway. It was quiet, and I had a single window that didn't bring in much sunlight. Now, I'm the type of person that likes to sleep with some kind of light on because I don't like complete darkness. 
but the room only had the ceiling fan light, and I decided I was going to sleep in the dark and play Netflix or YouTube videos on my phone for a source of light that could help me fall asleep. Everything was great, except for when it was nighttime. I always felt a little creeped out when I went to sleep, but I just blamed it on me being afraid of the dark. Still, I couldn't shake that eerie feeling that I had whenever I was in that room. About a few days in, I did my normal routine of getting ready for bed and then putting something on my phone to watch. As I was drifting off to sleep, I had this odd feeling that I was being watched. So I kept looking up from my screen and scanning the room, but there wasn't anything or anyone around. I finally fell asleep, but then I woke up abruptly. I figured it was really early in the morning, so I checked my phone to see the time and it was exactly 3 a.m. I was kind of freaked out, so I turned around to look in the room. My heart sank when I felt that pain that sears through your body when something instantly terrifies you. In the corner, I see this tall, dark figure. The room was already pitch black, but this humanoid thing was somehow even blacker than the darkness itself. I could see the outline. It was as tall as the ceiling, and he had a slim figure. I remember the hands were so large, with these long, skinny fingers. I couldn't see its face, but I could feel it staring at me, unmoving. Man, it makes me tear up just thinking about it, not because I'm going to cry, but it was such an intense fear that I don't feel often. The weird part about it, though, is that I didn't scream or anything. I knew it wasn't human, and I don't know how to explain it. It's just that reacting really just felt pointless. I was standing in the corner between the two doors, so escaping wasn't an option either. I just quickly turned around and put the covers over my head. Then I turned on the first video on YouTube and I started praying. It felt like I blinked, because then it was suddenly morning. The sun was peering into my room. I turned my head to look at the corner, and I saw that there was nothing. Relief washed over me, as I figured it was just a dream or some type of sleep paralysis. Except for, when I unlocked my phone, YouTube appeared with the replay button on the same video that I clicked when I was hiding under the covers. And then the fear came back as I realized that it actually happened to some extent. My sister came into my room with her two dogs to say good morning and told me to get ready for the day that we had planned. I started getting ready with the door open and the dogs were in the room with me. They both went to the closed closet door and started whining and scratching at it. And that really started to freak me out. So I opened it and peeked inside with my friend on the phone because I was about to pee my pants. There was nothing in there, just an empty closet. I went downstairs to eat breakfast and told my family about it and they thought it was creepy but just really shrugged it off thinking it was just my imagination. My sister said sometimes the dogs would do that to close doors in that house, but honestly, I felt like they sensed something. I did actually keep sleeping in that room though. Nothing more happened and I kept the ceiling light on for a little while at night. It just kind of weirds me out thinking back because I fell asleep so fast and then I felt like I blinked one moment and it was morning. My family jokes about me being abducted by aliens, but honestly, sometimes I wonder.
I've worked in a fair share of creepy places, but this one takes the top spot. The best way to describe it is an 1800s mansion. The place is huge and very creepy. It's the sort of place where you don't want to be alone in. We were doing some renovations in the building as it was being made into a place for the public to be taken around on tours, and one thing that we had to do was block off a doorway that went into an attic space that was very unsafe. Inside the attic space was a huge, circular glass window that you could see the main parking area from. All the while we were there, we all felt like we were being watched and occasionally we would hear a bang from the attic space. We assumed it was coming from another part of the building as there wasn't anything in there that could fall over and we were blocking up the only way into it. We completed the job and loaded our tools into the truck. As we were leaving, I looked up to the building and there was a woman dressed in all white waving at us, so all three of us waved back before realizing she stood dead center in the circular window in the attic that we had just closed off. We all freaked out and looked back up to see nothing was there anymore. In 2006, I stayed overnight with a buddy at a second property that his family had purchased. It was an old farm just on the outskirts of Florin Road and Watt Avenue in Sacramento, California. My buddy's family hadn't moved in and he wanted to spend the night on their property to get a feel for it, he said. The previous owner's husband passed away and she sold the home for cheap. What struck me as odd was that she left all of the furniture and tons of miscellaneous personal property behind, which we discovered later had belonged to her late husband. I told my friend to get rid of all that junk because in my culture, which is Laotian and Thai, we believed it was bad luck to hang on to a deceased person's property. The superstition was that the dead might come back and look for their stuff. On that particular night, I spent the night on the couch in the living room. My buddy was sleeping on the floor next to me. I couldn't fall asleep, but I heard my buddy snoring loudly, and therefore, I knew he was in a deep sleep and didn't witness the events that were soon to come. As I'm slowly drifting off to sleep, I heard the closet door located about a car length from my feet slowly open. I knew it opened because it made the creaking noise from when a door swings on a hinge. At that point, I became fully alert, but I kept my eyes closed. I could hear my heart beating out of my chest. I was laying on my back and I faced the ceiling. I slightly opened my eyes and I glanced towards the closet. It was a full moon, so the living room was well lit. And that's when I saw it. A black shadow coming towards me from the inside of the open closet. It had the silhouette of a man and stood approximately seven feet tall by about two feet wide. It crept towards me and I was so scared I just closed my eyes and I froze in place. I felt paralyzed and I was on the verge of darkening my pants. I kept my eyes closed and I remained still for what felt like five minutes. Then the second half, and the most scary part of this paranormal stuff, really started happening. The blanket I had draped over me slowly began pulling off of my body. I could feel parts of my upper torso getting cold as the blanket pulled away from my skin towards my feet. 
I felt each individual hair on my skin stand because it was so cold. As the blanket continued pulling away and got closer to my feet, I whispered my buddy's name multiple times, repeating, Dennis, 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 wake up. Something's going on in here. Dennis eventually stopped snoring and said, What is it, man? I'm trying to sleep. After all that, all the paranormal stuff stopped. I wrapped multiple blankets around me and slept in the prone position for the remainder of the night. I never had a more scary paranormal experience. I also haven't been back to my buddy's farm since the incident. Sometimes weird things happen and they just can't be explained. That night still bothers me until this day. I think the event took place sometime shortly after midnight. I thought the couch I was sleeping on was my buddy's, but later discovered it was part of the property that was left behind from the previous owner. I think her late husband came back from the dead to reclaim his couch. When I was around 21, I got divorced from my son's father and moved back home. Me and my son, who was around 15 months old, didn't have any space there, so I was looking to move out ASAP. My best friend's sister just rented a house and was looking for a roommate. So, long story short, we ended up moving in with her and her five-year-old daughter. Everything was good at first. Then little things would start happening, like the lights being on when I thought I'd turn them off. The washing machine lit up and not washing clothes, even though I swore I'd closed it. And then one day, I came home from work and my roommate's praying beads were in the mailbox. I asked her why she put them there and she said she didn't, but maybe her daughter somehow did. So some time passes with these little odd occurrences happening. And one night, we decided that we're going to go out. My son is with his dad and she calls her cousin to come over and babysit her daughter. And we're telling him about all the strange things that we've noticed, and he said something about not being afraid of no ghosts. I don't know. Right as he said that, a glass that was on the bookshelf flew across the room, and it hit him. So we freak out, and we're broke young single moms at this point who don't want to go back home, and we kind of just push it out of our minds and move on. We decided to get two puppies for our kids, and I swear, you may think I'm lying, but... They never grew an inch while we were there. Then there would be magnets in the sink for no reason. Things started to escalate fast. One weekend when the kids were at their father's house, me and my roommate decided to clean the kids' playroom. It was a wreck, so we cleaned it. The next morning, it was a disaster again. Now, remember, the kids were gone for the whole weekend. At this point, I was scared to come home. One night I was in my bed, she was in hers, and we heard knocking on the windows outside. We both had toxic exes and thought it might be one of them, so we called the police. They came out and said it looked like nobody had been there. We decided it was time to move as much as I didn't want to. I had to move back home when the kids started to get hurt. My roommate's daughter cut herself on a mirror that came out of nowhere. My son fell out of a chair and busted his face. He got really bad nosebleeds out of nowhere. While we were moving, a huge mirror that was anchored into the wall fell and busted me on my back. A lot of things happened in that house. 
The old man that lived across the street told us that no one ever lived there for long. I'm currently a 21-year-old male, and this happened when I was in elementary or maybe middle school. At the time, it was a common thing for me to stay the night at my grandfather's house on the weekends. Usually nothing weird happened. They used to have this guest room where I used to sleep when I stayed there. It was a pretty regular room. A double bed right in the middle, a big wardrobe on the right wall, and a little table in the corner with a TV on it. But this room also had something special. Right in front of the bed, there were two long shelves, one above the other, and they were fully occupied by clocks. To give you a number, I think there was probably 20 or so clocks on those shelves. There were many kinds of clocks, old ones, new ones, cheap ones, alarm clocks, and so on. So this specific day goes on and nothing weird happens, but at night, I had an experience that I'll never forget and won't let me sleep with clocks nearby ever again. At night, when every other sound goes quiet, all you could hear in that room was the ticking sound of the clocks. Tick, talk, tick, talk. So this night, something woke me up. It was late, and at first I thought I was imagining it. The ticking sound of the clocks changed, and they no longer made the normal tick-tock sound. Instead, they would make a tick sound, but then the talk sound was replaced with the voice of a man. It was a deep voice saying, talk. It wasn't like someone trying to imitate the sound of a clock, but someone literally saying, talk. So the clocks would make their regular tick sound, and then the voice would say, talk. As I said, at first I thought it was my imagination, so I waited for a moment. I sat down and I hear the man's voice say talk for some time. When it didn't stop, I tried laying down again and covering my head with a pillow so I wouldn't hear it and I could go back to sleep. But it didn't work. I just heard it a little less. Time passes and it started to frighten me. I started to panic so I decided to exit the room and run to my grandma's bedroom. I started walking to the door, but as I got closer, the sound got louder and quicker. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. The voice was now yelling, every time getting faster and faster. I ran, and as I got out of the room, it all stopped. But I didn't stop until I was in my grandma's bed, where I told her what happened. We prayed together, and I slept with her for the rest of the night. Since this... I kept sleeping at my grandma's, but every time we would take the clocks out of the room at night. Since then, nothing similar has happened to me. I've had some other paranormal experiences, even some of them related to clocks, but nothing as frightening as this experience. If someone knows what it could have been, I would love to hear your theories. My friends and I were chit-chatting in the common area at our local hostel one late night. We had just finished our classes on our campus and the next day was declared a holiday for us. We were planning to drop by this new mall that had just opened recently two blocks away from our hostel. Then one of my friends, Maya, tried to scare us by saying that the newly built mall 
is built above the Japanese soldier burial ground. We didn't take her words seriously as we thought she's always just pulling our legs. We laughed about it and started to scare each other with our own haunted stories. I told one of my babysitting haunting incidents to them and surprisingly, they were spooked out by this incident. But moving on, we wanted to continue our spooky experiences with each other before heading back to our rooms. One of them told about how she saw a female figure sitting below a banyan tree during her teacher's training days. She even described what that figure looked like and how my friend was afraid after looking at her. Just then, one of us wanted to make it scarier. She switched off the lights suddenly and started making funny noises. We jumped out of fear and started to laugh when she switched the lights back on. We were having so much fun when all of us heard boot sounds coming from right outside our common area. They sounded as if they were marching in one direction and coming closer to us. Maya thought the guys from our hostel were practicing their marching, but I wondered why they were practicing their marching at this odd hour of the night. I slowly peeked out of the common area door, which has a small peep window above. I didn't see anyone walking or even marching along the hallway. I looked at my friends and shook my head, indicating that I didn't see anyone outside. Everyone in that common area started to panic and they came closer to me to see if they could see anything that I couldn't. The marching sound was still heard, but there was no one outside our common area at that time. The marching sound came louder and louder until we managed to back up a little from the door out of shock and fear. Then we heard a pair of boots hit the door hard as if that person was kicking the door open. I mustered the courage to look back into that small peep window on the door and again, I didn't see anyone at the door, but the sound was still being heard clearly. Then it stopped abruptly. We quickly took our things and opened the next window opposite the common area door and jumped out of it without looking back. The window leads us to the other side of the hostel floor hallway, so we had to take the long way back to our rooms. I reached my room and quickly unlocked the door to enter. My heart was thumping hard and I thought it was just a dream as it was my first time experiencing this. I took my bath and I headed off to bed that night without thinking about what happened or what I might have heard. The next day, Maya gathered all of us and told us that she had read about our hostel's history. She told us that our hostel was built on the Japanese soldier burial ground and that was why we could hear the marching boots last night. I tried to dismiss her story and not want to be scared anymore, but Maya showed us some images from her laptop about our hostel and its history. So, it was true that my hostel was built above the Japanese soldier burial ground. The seniors in my hostel and campus confirmed it by telling some creepy and really spooky stories about the boot sounds and the voices of Japanese soldiers preparing for war. I had to bear with all of these sounds and voices for three years before completing my degree. Sometimes, I was able to see the shadows of the soldiers marching down the hallway. I was hanging out with my friends Jamie, Brittany, and uh, let's call her Muriel. We had spent the day together and decided to wrap it up with going to see a movie in theaters. Just as the movie was ending, 
Jamie got a call from her mom and the poor woman sounded extremely spooked. She said something was in her house, but that she and Jamie's sister didn't know what it was. She asked us all to come over, and so we left the theater and rushed over to her house. When we got there, I could sense that something was just off. And apparently, I wasn't the only one because Jamie, Brittany, and Muriel unanimously agreed that they didn't like the atmosphere in the house either. Jamie's mother told us that she and Jamie's sister, we'll call her Ariel, were just hanging out in the master bedroom and watching some TV when suddenly the family dog, Sammy, started barking seemingly at nothing. They tried to calm him down, but he kept staring at the same spot on the wall where the bedroom door and the bathroom section connected. At first, they couldn't see anything, but as they watched, Sammy got out of their grip and ran over to the wall, still barking and now growling too. As he did, a shadow suddenly revealed itself and glided up the wall and into the bathroom where a curtain that had been secured down suddenly shot up with a bang, followed by a whirring sound before finally going silent. That's when they hurried downstairs and her mom called us. They didn't want to be alone there and we didn't blame them. At a loss for what else to do, we all gathered in a circle and started praying. Jamie's mom told us all to not open our eyes until they were done, but I glanced up because I was curious, and to this day, I wish that I hadn't. There, in the corner of the living room where we were at, I saw a figure standing there. It was blacker than black, times infinity, like a solid mass that the light just couldn't pierce. It was staring right at me. Scared out of my wits, I immediately closed my eyes and started praying harder, and just like that, the air in the room cleared up. Like the heaviness had been sucked out of it, and everyone, including myself, felt lighter. We thought that was the last of it, so we all went out to the front porch to talk and joke around, to try and take the edge off and really process, you know? Everything was fine for a few minutes when, out of nowhere, Sammy started barking like crazy and running down the driveway. I saw the same black figure sort of flying or floating or something down the driveway as Sammy tore after it, and then it just sort of shot up and disappeared. Sammy stopped barking as soon as it was gone and trotted back over to us, tongue lolling, tail wagging, as if nothing had happened. I'm not sure what it was or what happened to it, but to this day, the memory of that thing, whatever it was, lurks in the corner of my mind. So check this out. Last year, I moved up to the city with my mom to take care of my grandma. She had a stroke and a heart attack and she didn't want to spend her last days in a nursing home. Anyways, I was working at a grow during the time and this place was haunted. I could just feel it. I would also see things move in the corner of my eyes 
and I was convinced that there was some type of poltergeist at the place because things would just fall. They had been in the same spot for hours, or stuff would just shift. Well, one day we were trimming and someone was talking, so I turned to look at them, and in the corner of the room there was an extremely tall shadow person, like eight or nine feet tall. I couldn't see its face, but just an outline of it, and it was extremely dark. It looked like it was wearing a long coat and a tall hat. I looked at it for a minute, too. It let me stare at it. It knew that I saw it, and it saw me. It totally freaked me out. So I turned back to continue trimming, pretending like nothing happened, and when I did... My scissors that were sitting blade down in a cup about a third full of alcohol spun full circle in the cup. I looked up to see if anyone noticed, but nobody did, and I don't think they saw the shadow person either, so I just prayed over myself and everyone else on the property and continued my job. Then, about a week later, my grandma passed away. So I don't know if it was death or something that I manifested or attracted for wallowing in grief. Have you ever seen anything like this? I haven't seen it since, but I don't think I'll ever forget it. I was living in an apartment at the time, not uncommon for a 24-year-old to do, and my partner had decided to go to bed early because they wanted to start doing a morning workout routine. I said, whatever, nerd, I don't want to do that. So that meant that after 8.30, I was alone, and I didn't need to be at work until 10.30 the next day. And anyways, I worked from home, so prep time was minimum. Roughly 10.40ish p.m. comes, and I get a knock on my front door. I was replaying Skyrim for the 57th time and assumed it was my neighbor since we were buddies. When I opened the door, nobody was there. Ding dong ditching bastards, I thought to myself. Incorrectly. I closed the door and I laugh about it. Then I get scared for some reason. Now, I'm a big guy, power lifter, weighing 270 at the time and 6'4". I was shoved to the ground like a child, as if I was full force pushing a six-year-old to the ground. I hit my head on the couch and the controller broke when I flung it going down. I bled a lot from a small scratch on my head, like way more than I was expecting to. I get up from that, shaken and looking around for some kind of monster or something, but nothing. The whole apartment is still. But I feel horrified, and I don't want to go wake up my partner to tell them that my big ass was just thrown by a freaking monster that I couldn't even see. I cleaned up the blood and called my mom. She had a lot of experience with paranormal stuff, and I'm more of a skeptic in general. She had me do some cleansing things and walk around saying this was my house and that whatever else was in there had no right to be. I felt at ease a few hours later, and went to bed. I woke up to a dull silence that I wasn't used to. My fan was off. In fact, all the power was off. I checked the breaker box and nothing was flipped. So I called my uncle, 
who worked on apartments and he actually answered me and told me there was probably a main breaker outside that was flipped. I walked outside and saw my main breaker box was open and sure enough, flipped. I flipped it back on and went back inside. Now, there was a tension that I started to feel that I just couldn't shake. So I called my mom again and I told her what happened and she said, it turned your power off so you'd open the door. Otherwise, why did it knock the first time? Whatever this behemoth was, it was back in my apartment, and I started to feel worried. I heard heavy footsteps going towards the bathroom, and then in the bedroom that we used as an office. When I went in that room, it was tense. But I wasn't going to fight this thing. For the last year that we were there, that room always felt heavy and weird, and we never liked it. Luckily, we moved and no longer have to deal with whatever that was. I started working at the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs in the fall of 1993. The Broadmoor is a 100-year-old five-star hotel that stands in the shadow of Cheyenne Mountain. The close proximity to the mountain and the age of the original hotel give the place a mysterious and sometimes foreboding feeling. The hotel has had its share of guests that checked in and never checked out. I was hired as one of five electricians the hotel kept on the maintenance staff in their facilities services department. As a trusted member of the facilities team, I was given a set of master keys that would open any door within the hotel. After a year of working at the hotel, I knew every corridor, ballroom, basement tunnel, ceiling crawl space. I knew it all. The electricians all started in the pre-dawn hours before the guests were even awake. It was our job to walk all the hallways, meeting rooms, ballrooms, dining areas, everywhere, and replace any lamps that we found to be burnt out, which included the huge glass chandeliers and hundred-year-old wall sconces. Each of the electricians were assigned a building where it was their job to keep all the lamps burning. We would spend the first three hours of our workday walking the mostly deserted hallways and public spaces, checking for the deceased lamps. We had lamps and ladders stocked and hidden away on every level of the hotel. That winter, I was assigned the main hotel. The main hotel was my favorite because it had all the beautiful terraces that looked out across the Broadmoor Lake with the awe-inspiring Cheyenne Mountain in the background. The main hotel had the history of 100 years of guests partying and playing throughout its historic ballrooms and terrace dining rooms. The main hotel also had the penthouse suite, where presidents and world leaders had spent the night looking out at the dark and steep mountain beyond. The hotel was built by a gold baron named Spencer Penrose, his beautiful wife, Julie Penrose, spent her final years living in the main hotel penthouse. She died in 1956, and the hotel converted her lavish three-bedroom, three-bathroom penthouse to the Penrose Suite, which back then was $2,500 a night. 
Winters were slow at the hotel. The room occupation rate was typically at 20% or below during the cold winter months. That chilly, snowy morning, I was taking my time going from room to room, checking for the elusive burned-out lamps. I always started with the main room at the front of the hotel, which included the front desk. It was always deserted at that time in the morning. In fact, it was unusual for me to see anyone in the public areas that early in the morning. One of the perks of working at the hotel was the large spread of morning baked muffins and bear claws set out for the guests. The bear claws were the absolute best. Of course, we lowly maintenance workers were not to eat any of the baked goods, but this was before the advent of discreet cameras placed throughout the hotel. I could never pass a freshly made bear claw, and besides, who was hurt by this minor indiscretion anyway? My second stop that morning was the main terrace dining room. That was on the second level, looking out towards the lake. This was a huge dining area with glass chandeliers scattered throughout the room. A large set of heavy glass and oak doors separated the dining room from the upper main terrace common area. The room had 10-foot-high windows that spanned the whole lake side of the room. I went to turn on the chandeliers at the far back corner of the room. I had my back to the large doors that I had just used my master keys to enter, when suddenly I hear the doors reopen and then slowly shut again. I thought, what the hell, there's nobody there. I reach for my radio and call out over our channel if any one of our maintenance people are here on the second level of the main hotel with me, and I get total silence. I start to think I'm imagining the doors opening on their own, but no way. The large, old, dark room is starting to creep me out now. I continue to head straight for the set of switches that light up the whole room. I flick each of the half-dozen switches and nothing happens. The lights just don't turn on. Now I'm starting to think that somebody's messing with me. The electricians and the plumbers have been known to prank each other's shop. Innocent stuff like leaving a dead fish hidden in the plumber's shop area. So I call the plumbers out on my radio. Again, nothing. I start to head out towards the opposite side of the dining room towards the exit that leads to a stairway to the basement where the main electrical room is located. I figure I'm going to have to reset the circuit breaker. I walk along the large windows that face out towards the lake. It's darker outside than it is inside the dining room with the only light coming from the exit signs above both of the doorways. It's not a lot of light, but it's enough to create a reflection in the huge plate glass windows. I'm walking along slowly in front of the windows when something outside catches my attention. It looks like an older woman dressed in a large white gown. My immediate thought was, what the hell is this lady doing standing outside on a cold, dark, and snowing morning? And suddenly, it hits me. I'm not seeing her outside the windows. I'm seeing her reflection of her inside behind me. I turn around and there's nobody there. I ran. 
I ran out of that room so fast that I hit two chairs, knocking them over and leaving a large bruise on my side. She was there, clear as day, standing not more than ten feet behind me. I could see her face and her white gown, and she looked sad. I worked at the hotel another two years, and I never saw her again. I was 34 years old when this happened to me, and my hair was dark brown. My wife has noticed my hair suddenly turning white. Within five years of that incident, my hair was completely white. And I don't know if that's related, but it still gives me chills to this very day. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 